last week we started with the scriptures in Proverbs chapter 30, 23, verse 7. is in King James Version. So you're a King James fan, you know, you'll be very happy that I also use King James, right? As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So what this fellow is saying, the writer of Proverbs is saying, is that you are how you think. You're not how you were raised. You're not even how, what kind of family background you come from. You're, you're, the way you are, what you are, is how you, it's because of how you think. So if your thinking is, uh, well, you know, a lot of people say, you know, you don't understand my background. You know, I came from a very broken background. Or, or you don't understand my history, you know. My, the history that I have is horrible. Or, or you don't know that my parents, they're not rich, they're poor, and, and, or, or, or that they're very abusive, or, or, you know, different things, you know. They may have some influence over your life, your education system and everything that, you know, that you, you, you have experienced and gone through. They probably have a lot of influence over your thinking but your thinking nonetheless is yours and you can make decision about it and we learned about it last week is that you and I can actually shape our thinking so you are what you think you can't blame it on people you can't blame it on oh, your old poor old me so if our thinking literally make us who we are we must then, of course, work on how we think. Turn to your neighbor and say, work on how you think. Come on, this is an interactive session. Don't look at me. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to work with you, right? Work on how you think. So, if you are not happy with where you're at, in other words, change your thinking. Change your mind. But you know, a lot of Christians would say, you know, Pastor, uh, you know, if I would just know the will of God and walk in His purpose, then I will be in the perfect will of God and that I will be in my destiny. And all this mindset thinking is all so worldly. Well, it's not. It's the will of God. You know, a lot of people say, well, let me hear the word of God. And so what they do is they, they go visit prophets, you know, they, they do different things. And, and we learned last week that, you know, you, you can visit prophets for every decision you make because you make 35,000 decisions every single day. Did you count this week? How many decisions you made? 2,000 an hour in your waking moment. Now, see, a lot of people say, I know the perfect will of God in every decision I make, which is kind of impossible. Then I'll make all the right decisions, and therefore I'll be where I need to be. And so they think knowing the will of God is to hear from prophets and hear the booming voice or some impression. Yes, God does speak to us. He always speaks to us. But the Word of God tells us how it is that you and I can actually live in the will of God by default. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, we read last week how it is we can know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The first thing we, need, we learn is that we need to become living sacrifice. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifice, yielded, holy, separated, not, not just sin issue, but uncommon. You know, uh, uh, this, this word uncommon is so important that you need to know, you know. How many of you know that we all are built to be uncommon? You have a desire to be common, you just don't know it. 
You want to be treated differently. I don't know about you, man. Every time I go to the airport, I don't want to line up like everybody else. So if I flash my aeroplane platinum card, then I jump all the queue towards all the securities. Then I go to the Maple Leaf Lounge. That's okay. It's free. I didn't buy it. It's just, it was a blessing. Praise God. What, whatever, right? But I feel special. We all want to feel special, yeah? How many of you don't want to feel special? You raise your hand. You don't want to feel, you do not want to feel special. You want to feel special, but you know, you don't, if you don't want to feel special, we can pray for you today because you are special. You're not convinced. You are special. God has called you not to be common. He had called you to be holy, to be uncommon. So don't be worried. Don't worry that you, you people, you're not, you're not thinking like the world thinks. You are created and called to think differently than the world thinks. So if the world doesn't think like you, don't feel weird about it. Just, just praise God because you have royal blood flowing through you. He'd call you to be uncommon. He'd call you. That's why it's the, it's a perfect will of God for you is to be uncommon. So be uncommon. Don't be weird though. We talked about it last week. Right? Don't be intentionally be weird. In other words, if you're a caterpillar, be the butterfly. The metamorphosis is for you to be butterfly, not just to drop off from the plants and be like a worm so you can be different from the caterpillars. Anyways, go on. Do not, be, do not conform, conform to this world. Here it is again. But being transformed by the what? Renewal of your mind. Let's say it again. Being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Why? So that you can discern the will of God. Here it is. You want the will of God? Transform your mind? Then you will know the will of God. You need, don't need prophets to tell you. You know, yeah, God will speak to you sometimes, but you know, most of the time, you know, you'll be able to know the will of God. You don't need to go, oh, let me pray about it. Let me use... I, <laughs> I'm going to say it with a smile, so don't be offended, okay? You know, a lot of times we, we tell people, we ask people to do things, you know, and you know what they say? Let me. Come on, you know the line. Let me. Why do they say that? They just want to defer the decision. Let's be honest about it. Come on. They just, they just, they just, they just, they just don't want to say no. They, they, don't, they want to say no, but this is a very kind and polite way for a charismatic to say no. Let me. He's so soft. But if you have renewed your mind, friends, you will know immediately if you're in the will of God. Because it says so here. When you have renewed your mind, you will know what is acceptable. Good and perfect will of God. You know it right away. You don't even have to pray about it. So next time when, when I ask somebody, when I ask you, you know, can you do this? Don't say pray about it, man. Be in the will of God. Yes? Be in the will of God. And don't, don't worry to say no. I know we try to be polite and nice. And we are nice people, Canadians, yes? So quiet. You still love me or you, I kind of lost you already? Yeah, 
I don't feel a lot of love now. <laughs> be in the will of God. Be in your mind that it is a state where you would discern, you would know exactly what the will of God is. So you don't have to pray about it. And it's okay to say no. Yes? Say no politely. Just, I'm sorry. I just don't feel at this time I need to do this. You can change your mind too in the future. Right? You could say yes and then change your mind. Nobody's going to, you know, you say, oh, you know, like I, I'll be, don't worry about it. Just, just be bold. Okay? I mean, anyways. So in other words, discerning the perfect will of God requires the right mind. Why? Because how, this, this is why, how we make decision every single day is done in the way our mind is structured and shaped. And I'll explain that in a few minutes, how that works mechanically, physiologically, and biologically. But as I mentioned, we make 35,000 decisions. Most of them are subconscious or unconscious every single day. Most of them are not done even with you knowing that you are deliberating the decision. It was, it's done automatically. So whatever your brain is structured, those decisions will be made automatically. I'm going to show you and prove to you how that works just in a few minutes. Now the good news is this, that we can actually shape our mind and reshape our mind. Spiritually speaking, the Word of God tells us we can do that, but also biologically, physiologically and neurologically we can actually do that i'm going to show you you know some of you will miss uh the sermon last week i, I want to encourage you to go back and visit it because some of the things i say is going to be so fast because if you weren't here last week you, you might not understand everything i'm trying to try to repeat myself a little bit so you, you can understand but 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 here it is you know if you if you don't know what i spoke about last week, just go visit the website willita.tv so to ensure that we make decisions many of which are spontaneous and done subconsciously in the perfect will of God. To make the decision in the perfect will of God then requires, requires that we put every effort that we have to shape or reshape our mind according to the word of God. Some of you sitting there say, what's wrong with my mind? What's wrong with my mind? Believers, I'll tell you, because you and I, when we got saved, our spirit got saved, but everything else stayed intact. Your spirit got saved, you still have the memories, yes? Do you remember all the things that you've done before you got saved? Come on, talk back to me. Let it be. Do you remember that? Well, you know, you, when you got saved, your mind hasn't been changed yet. Your spirit is saved, but your mind is never cha- it's not changed. So your mind and my mind that needs to make perfect decision in the will of God needs to be changed because your mind and my mind is being shaped by the culture and the upbringing that, that we, we, have, we have been going through, we have experienced in our lives. The education system, the way that your parents talk to you, etc. Right? We spoke about that last week. It was the environment. So last week we learned that even for the decision that we consciously paying attention to deliberate, they are most often done by condition of our mind and not necessarily with the right information. I'm going to use the chocolate example again later on when I show you some MRI images. How many of you know MRI is? I'll explain to you what that is later on. Maybe get my wife to come out and explain since she's in that few. Now, last week, I introduced some concepts of how our brain works as it relates to our mind. Today, this is what we're going to do. We're going to apply those concepts, number one, how we make decisions, and number two, 
we're going to introduce the scriptural principle which science cannot explain. And I, we talked briefly about it like salvation and so forth into the concept. The whole idea is to encourage you as you walk out this week, you are conscious of how as you follow the word of God, how your mind and therefore your brain is shifting and changing. Now, I don't know about you, I heard many testimony and stories of last week, people had come to me and said, you know, throughout the week, I started to think differently. Is that your experience? Three, nobody, no? Let's all go home, you know. So, let me give you a brief, um, brief uh, introduction, okay, um, uh, uh, a review. So, this is your brain, right? This is your mind. And that what this picture shows is your brain, and within your brain is made out of 100 billion thinking cells. You have 1 trillion cells in total, what 100 billion of them are actually the thinking cell, and that it magnifies one of the thinking cells, that's how it looks like. Okay? I'm going to show you another picture that I showed last week, and so this is another magnifier one. In each of the thinking cells, it has 100, sorry, 10,000 Connection, tentacles, connections, right? It doesn't show 10,000 here, but later on when you see the MRI image, you'll see that it is like a lot. They call it dendrites. Now, watch this. When you learn something, you remember something, yes? And your, what you've learned, what you acquire is somehow stored in your mind. Now, how is it being stored in your mind? How is it being stored? You know, you don't have a disk drive or SDD or whatever, right? So how is it being stored? See, the way your memory is being stored, as most of you know, is that there are connections take place. So when I learn something, the cells in my brain started to connect using all the tentacles to try to connect. Each of the connection that had taken place is a memory or a knowledge. Each time when you learn something new, new connections are made between the existing cells and also the cell, new cells are being generated to make more connections. Now, each of this connection, you notice this connection here? Right? That's where all the what do you call it? You know, like a spark, right? Each of those connections can be strengthened. In other words, your knowledge can be strengthened in neurological term. Doctors, are you ready? It's called potentiation. When the doctor says your neural cell is, is going through a process of potentiation, which means it's strengthened, your brain cell is being strengthened, Right? Or it can actually be weakened. You can actually weaken that knowledge. It's called depression. Now, don't confuse with the words depression that psychiatrists speak about in terms of emotion. So you can weaken your knowledge. You can weaken the information in your head. Or you can strengthen the information in your head. In your mind. Right? The connection are strengthened this is strengthened by the frequency of its usage. So the more you use the connection, so you learn something and you keep 
applying that knowledge, the more you use that connection, the bigger the strength has become in terms of the connection. Conversely, the less you use it, the weaker it becomes or it stays very weak. Right? So we learned that last week that the more you, 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 you learn, you strengthen the connection, and the less you learn, it becomes weaker and weaker. And then we learned last week that eventually, for efficiency's sake, your connection gets cut off, which means you lost the knowledge. You lost what is being stored. Now, last week we were looking at Kristen's calculus, me and Juana, trying to help her. We try to help our child calculus. And we look at the calculus, at least I look at it, and I know I get great marks in, in, in high school about calculus. Some of the tests, you know, I got great marks. I just, you know, I, one of my favorite subjects, you say, oh, sick mind, yeah. It, you know, one of my favorite subjects is calculus. But when I look at her textbook, I had no idea what I was looking at. You know, what's all this symbol? So I asked my wife, can you help your daughter? You have 99% all the time in all your schoolwork, right? She said, oh, I can't remember a thing. So you can imagine how frustrated Kristen was. So we joke around among me and my wife, and we tell Kristen, they say, listen, man, we have given back all the calculus back to the teacher. How many of you have done that? I have given everything I learned in university back to the university. I don't know why I pay so much money just for the certificate, right? So I have forgotten about it. I just don't never learn it. See what happened? Because in our chosen profession, in my calling, I'm a pastor and she's in her, her research. We don't use calculus at all since we left university. There was never a need to use calculus to preach, you know. You know, what do now? And so because I've never used it, I've lost it. I literally have no idea what it is. I look at it, it all look very, very Arabic to me, you know, or, or Indian, you know, it's just, you know, just Greek, you know, they say Greek, right? Look like Greek to me, but I just didn't know what it is. Why? Because I never used it. Now, when you use the knowledge you have, or the information you have, or the connections that is there, not only will the connection be stronger, watch this, your brain cells will start, that very cell that is being used will start to create new connections, new tentacles in of itself. I'm going to show you this, this graph here. This is the MRI image at a microscopic level of your cell. On your left-hand side, you will see that this cell is connected to something. You don't see the other cells, but it's not important. So it has all this dendrites connecting. So it has learned something. So when you strengthen the knowledge, what happened is this. The highway, the connection between your cells becomes stronger. Why is that important? You'll find out how that's going to affect your decision. And so when it becomes stronger, then it looks like it's brighter, right? Not only is it stronger, new, new dendrites, new branches, new tentacles is growing off those existing tentacles. Why is that important? Well, they're important for potential connection in other parts of your brain. 
And why is that important? Watch this, right? This is how creativity comes in. Let's, let's use an example of uh, playing an instrument. So let's say playing, a, um, I don't know, what instrument do you like to play? Uh, let's pick an instrument. You, let's be interactive. You pick. What, is, what? Guitar. Okay. Okay. Let's do guitar. Okay. Let's do guitar. So when you learn guitar, the first thing you learn is, you know, let's say you learn um, uh, folk guitar, not classical, but a, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, just strumming, right? Bing, 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 whatever, right? So those guitars you learn. Okay, so the first thing you learn is C chord, you know. And, you know, it's funny. The other day I, 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 I saw my both kids were so diligent in practicing the guitar, right? And they're really good at it, you know. And then I, I was joking with my wife. I said, we spent thousands of dollars on piano and then spent thousands to send them to school for, for learning, and is sitting right there looking at us every day, not doing anything. And yet, they're picking up the guitar that my mom gave me when I was a teenager, when I was nine years old. And they're playing it, and I haven't sent them to school. Isn't that weird? That's, anyway, so they learn, they pick up guitar, right? So you learn guitar. So when you learn all the chords, it now it's, it's formed the connection. And so if you keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing, the key is practicing, right, Robert? Practice, right? So he's a piano teacher and and Debbie, right? So if you keep practicing, then you become better, which means the connection becomes stronger, which means not only stronger, now new new connections are available to connect. And guess what happened? This is what your brain is going to do. With all this new connection, it's going to look for other cells to connect. And most often, it will connect to your frontal lobe. This is where your creativity is. Then you started to try out new things, create new things. You're going to start to have new ideas that you've never learned before. You start to formulate. It applies to everything from the Word of God to every skill set you have. God has created you to your brain so that when you use it enough, it started to reach areas that you have never intended to reach and begin to produce things that you've never learned before. Now, this, this strong connections is what the Bible calls strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Now, strongholds are not necessarily bad words. What Paul is addressing in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is bad strongholds. That is, the strongholds that have been built up through the narrative of the world. Like some of us have been growing up in the, in, in the educational system of, of you know, uh, these days. They're very, they, 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 they say wrong, that right is wrong, wrong is right. So with the kids growing up in our school, you'll notice that they, they disagree with a lot of the moral standard we have. And they are absolutely convinced that they're right. They may not be right, but they're absolutely convinced. Why? Because the educational system that we have had been bombarding their mind, causing this, this den drive, this connection to be fatter and fatter and stronger and stronger. And so you can't use words to talk them down on their conviction. It has to be the power of the Holy Spirit. So my words are empty. You can, you can try to convince, oh, this is wrong. You can't do this, blah, blah, blah. You can see it. And how many of your parents know that? You know, you're trying to debate with your children. Good luck to that, right? 
But if your children has been exposed to the system of the world, I want to show you how it is that you can remove strongholds in people's minds. So some of you sitting here, your parents, you know, don't think your parents are going to use the same tactic, but I'm just, I'm just saying that this is how you remove strongholds. Whether it's individually, you remove, remove strongholds yourself, i.e. your habits, your bad habits, the vices, you know, um, uh, you know, pornography, drugs, whatever, right? Whatever the struggle is that you're, you're trying to have victory, whatever that is, whatever the stronghold is, Physically, it's really hard to go to cold turkey. You, can, you literally need to go and disconnect the strongholds. That's not only connected to another cell, but it's connected to all other cells as, as you continue to expose a certain narrative to that cell. You're going to learn about this very common terms in, in neurosciences. What fire, or the neurons that fire together, wire together. We're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. But strongholds itself are not bad, only the worldly strongholds that we want to get rid of. Now, how do you get rid of the worldly stronghold uh, outside supernaturally? So, for example, we heard stories of people after they get saved or feel the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, whatever, all of a sudden they have zero, zero, zero desire for the worldly things. They used to like worldly things. They used to like to smoke or the bar and, and, you know, get drunk, you know. They need, you know, spend lots of money on drugs and, and, and indulge in pornography, swearing, whatever. And then we hear stories that some people got saved and overnight, boom, everything stopped. That's a supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit to cut off all those neuron connections. We call it pruning, supernatural pruning. Immediately those desires are gone. But how many of you know that we also heard stories that we Christian, many of us, you know, born again, feel we, we still struggle with sin. And you say, why, why, why not us? Why didn't God do something about it? I don't know. But I do know that God also wants to partner with us to see that we have victory in our lives. So this is how you, this is how you, you, you build, you, you destroy old strongholds. You're only given 24 hours a day, X amount of energy to support your brain structure, the way that the brain is structured. So instead of focusing on the struggle that you have, because when you focus on it, you're still visiting it and you're still strengthening it. You forget about it and you create new strongholds. Everybody say new strongholds. You want to create in your mind new strongholds. So let me go, go to discussions here on sin and struggles. In the old days, some of you heard the story, even when I was young, you know, when I was a teenager, I got hooked on pornography. Ooh, so quiet. And so, I, you know, as a teenager, we go to church, right? And uh, we have this thing called promise keepers. Do they still have it? Promise keepers? Why are you so quiet this morning? You look like I just committed a murder or something like that. So anyways, I, I went to Promise Keepers, you know, I want to have victory. And they, they introduced all kinds of ideas and systems, you know. And then one by one, all those, those, those big football stars, whatever, will come up and say, Oh, I was in pornography, you know, I've set free and this is how I do it, blah, blah, blah. But I tell you, I try everything. I couldn't. And you know, the worst thing is that I'll go to church in the weekend. Um, on Sunday after Saturday night and Friday night, I was, you know, just, just they didn't have internet back then. So you have to... You have to, anyway, so, uh, so, you know, borrow magazine from friends, something like that, right? So, so I, I know that I have, so I'll come to church on Sunday and throughout the worship service, you know how the devil condemns us. 
I know what you did. I don't know what you're doing here. Man, you're wasting your time. You're a hypocrite. Shut up and don't praise. Only holy people are worthy to praise. Those are the lies, you see. So during the service, I'm still thinking about what I was doing last night and night before. All the image tried to get, just replay in my head. And I feel more remorseful, more condemned, feel more guilty. And at the end of the service, I felt a little bit better because I heard the word of God. Preacher was good and, and it made me forget about my struggle. I started to rejoice again. I started to feel like I have strength again. So Monday, Tuesday, uh-oh, when does they come? Struggle again. That urge is coming in. You know, kids, teenagers, you have all the hormones firing in all directions, right? And so off I go. Struggle again Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then back to church on Sunday feeling awfully guilty. To the point, at one point, I felt like I'm going to stop going to church because I cannot handle being a hypocrite. Until one day I heard a story of a former prostitute who is a minister now. How as a prostitute she had to keep drinking alcohol to numb herself. Because you can't. How can you? So to, to live properly she numbed herself with alcohol. And after she got saved and got changed her, she left that lifestyle. One struggle she continued to have was alcohol. She go to church on Sunday morning. And just loving Jesus. And as soon as she comes home in the afternoon, there it is, a brandy or vodka, whatever, that the strongest alcohol right in front of her, she will be getting drunk, feeling terribly guilty every Sunday, every week. And so she said, one day, the Holy Spirit spoke to her. She said, don't worry about your alcohol problem. She said, God, what do you mean? I'm still struggling with it. I'm so ashamed of this problem. The Holy Spirit says, even if you're drinking and when you're drinking, you keep doing what you like to do. She said, I love reading the Word of God. I'll go page after page. Can't stop. So she says she'll have brandy in her hand on one hand and the Bible on the other. She starts reading the Word of God, getting drunk. <laughs> reading the Word of God, getting drunk, you know. Listen, this is what grace works. Where sin abounds, grace is much more abound. So as she was doing that, she realized her focus now is more on the word. She's less, spending less time remorsing of her struggle and spending less energy of strengthening this, this connection. And so more and more on the word of God, she said within just a few months, she didn't even realize there was no longer alcohol at the table while she's reading the word. That desire had disappeared. That urge is all gone. And she says, since that day, she had never touched any alcohol, nor have the desire to do so. Come on, give praise to God. What has happened? A lot of us say, oh, you, you know, you got to this, this, that, this, that. Just, you know, religion is condemnation-based. Fear and condemnation-based. That had produced nothing. What we need to focus on is the goodness of God, the grace of God, and the victory of Jesus. I said to the people this, afternoon, this morning, the pre-service huddle, Jesus fought sin and overcame. Why are you fighting it? 
You need to say, God, it's yours, your problem. Every time you stumble, you still confess the word of God. I am the righteousness of God. The devil say, what? It's the same thing as healing. When people pray for you, believe you're healed. What, pastor, I still feel all the pain. Well, that's the point. Because if you can see it, then it's not faith anymore. It's because you can't see it. You still confess it. That's how faith works. That's how you see miracles. The words say that I'll believe when I see it. That's the line from the world. Cut that off in your mind. So you may be failing in every areas of your life. God, I'm your righteousness. I have victory. The devil say, I know what you did last night. But instead of focusing on what you were doing, focusing on God. So what I've done is, yes, I, would, I started that process. So I don't even think about my struggle anymore. Every time I stumble, I say, God, I thank you. I thank you for your victory. And you know what, friends? I have, I had to tell you, it's a, it's a grace of God, not me. I have no desire for pornography. It doesn't, it's not an urge. It's not like, ooh, cold turkey temptation again. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Shakaraba, shakaraba, shakaraba. It's not even a struggle. It's not a struggle, friends. You know, I was watching a conference this week and a couple of prophets, you know, I love that conference and I respect those men. They came out and they confessed that they were struggling with pornography. It shocked me. But you know, the point I'm trying to make is this. Is that they preach about holiness and they were struggling and they didn't know what to do. If you focus on God, you become like God. You behold, you, you become what you behold. You keep focusing on sin, you will struggle with sin. Keep your focus on Christ. Keep your focus on God. Keep your focus on His goodness. Let that connections in your head that is about the goodness of God, the grace of God, become the stronghold in your life. Build that stronghold in your life. You will have victory after victory after victory because the less you visit those areas that is bad, the thinner it has become. Eventually, your brain itself will cut it off anyways. That's the miracle of God. That's how He created you and I. You can have victory in 2019 in whatever you want to have victory in, in Jesus' name. All you need to focus on is the Word of God. Come on, praise the Lord, believe in God for that. You can have victory in whatever you put your heads on and you put your mind on. Occupy yourself with activities either to reinforce the good strongholds or build new strongholds. That's why you come to church. It's so that you can get yourself exposed to the Word of God. New strongholds being, being formed in your head. They become stronger in your faith with God. I can't believe it's 12.06. I haven't even started yet. Okay, I'm going to say one more point and we're going to stop and we'll continue part three next week. Because I, I actually had another sermon already prepared for next week. A challenge to, to let you know that if you do that one thing, I guarantee this is going to be your best year yet. But we'll wait till um, after I finish the series, okay? So just to tease you a little bit. Let me do the last point. This is how we make decisions. This is how you make conscious decision and subconscious decision. This is how your brain works. And we use it in computer science too, that terminology. The path of least resistance. The biggest path. 
Every time when you're about to make decision, good or bad, your mind will lean on the fattest and biggest path. Whether it's subconscious or consciously. Our mind uses the strongest connection to make decisions. Now, let's talk about, uh, how many of you saw this news this week? That um, this weatherman was fired for uh, uttering a racial slur. How many of you saw that news? Do you read news? (laughs) So anyways, in California, this weatherman... He was fired. He was fired right on the spot the day that he did it. He had a racial slur while he was reporting the weather. So he said something. I don't know what he said, but I just read the news that immediately his boss fired him. So the next day they interview him. What, why did you say that? Listen to his answer. It's super interesting. I can't even remember I said it. He can't remember what he did. What happened here? It's because subconsciously his mind will go to the channel where it is most often used. He probably have all kind of racial conversation with all his buddies off air. And he thought it would be okay. Nobody hears it. He can put on a show, you know. And so he built that stronghold, built that stronghold, built that little the connection to make it strong. And subconsciously, he made a decision to utter a racial slur without even remembering he made the decision. He subconsciously leaned his mind, his brain leaned toward that fattest route that he had cultivated. When I was uh, growing up, you know, when I got hired by... Um, uh, uh, company after I finished university in mean management training. So they, they train us because they, they say, you all come from different backgrounds. Some of you from rich backgrounds. Some of you are paupers. That was me. You know? So, you know, uh, what we want to do is want to make sure that because you will be one of the executives, we were you know, executive training, you'll be the executive for our company. You'll be the face of our company. We need to make sure you behave and dress well. So we spent actually a, a month, they spent a month teaching us all this etiquette including how to eat in front of the queen. How do you, why do I need to learn how to eat in front of the queen? Anyways, they have this big sets, you know, massive sets, you know, in dining, formal dining. There's a massive set of um, dining pieces, like a thousand pieces. It looks like it. You know, and they teach you, what, what should you, I can't remember any of those. I give it back and haven't had a chance to sit with the queen, so I never used those techniques, you know. <laughs> But anyways, they were training us. So what they do is they say, you keep doing it because we want to build a habit in you that you have proper manners. They teach us how to stand, how to row our shoulder bag, how to even stand in the elevator. When we're in the elevator, how do you stand? What is your posture? What you, be, you know, they teach us all this thing so that you can look like a million bucks. Because you are representing the second largest computer company in the world. So you need to learn. So every little details. And they say, we want to cultivate the habit in you. So that when you talk on our behalf, when you're out there, subconsciously, your behavior will act like you represent us. Not some schmo just graduated from university, hadn't got a clue of what to do. They were cultivating it. Now, some of them were being used constantly. How we talk, 
how we stood, how we, how we stand in there, how we talk to other executives, what kind of posture we need to take, and, and what, you know, just all the, all the skills that were used basically eventually built into my system. So the way I walk sometimes, I still catch myself standing in the elevator. I remember the posture that they taught me. I just, you know, subconsciously just, 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 just did it and just, just look at myself. Oh, look at I remember so-and-so taught me this. You know, look at the way I stand right now. Shaddai, you know. So, you know, it's it just built up subconsciously so that most of the time they know that we, when, we, when we're out in the world, when we're out, not in the world, out, you know, doing business for the company, we will be making decisions subconsciously in our behavior, in our posture, right? So, um, so your mind will go to the place where you have built the stronger stronghold and behave a certain way. Somebody say, I don't know why I behave that way. I hate myself. I remember I used to, um, when a pre- as a preacher, you know, um, nobody comes to this church, you know. The reason is because they come and then I say something and, and offended them. I still do that a little bit sometimes, right? But I used to do that a lot. And people get all offended and they leave church all the time. And so, so I had to train myself to change the way I talk and put a smile on my face, right, to communicate better. And, and it's a constant process. I keep learning. You know, one reason why I keep watching, you know, I do watch myself on video. So it's not only for evangelistic purposes. It's for me to look at the mirror and say, okay, I, I shouldn't talk like that or I shouldn't move like that. Or I shouldn't make, just, just make changes consciously. But after a while, it becomes a subconscious behavior. So when I didn't make decision how I stand, how I talk, how I communicate, what to say, what not to say, when it passed through my brain, my subconscious mind will always go to the channel that is the strongest. And I want to hope that the strongest channel are the channels that are the right channel, right? Now, how about, um, how about temptation, which is a conscious decision? We talk about chocolate, right? Hey, did you bring your chocolate here? All gone. <laughs> so if you didn't, I'm sure, I, I know some people brought chocolates, you know, to share. Praise the Lord. So anyways, let's say, what is your favorite chocolate? Lind? Ferrero Rocher? What, what is it you love? You like Ferrero Rocher, right? Okay, let's, let's just use that as an example. For, I love Ferrero Rocher. I, I look at it. It just, it actually, I hear voices from it calling my name. <laughs> you know, it's really weird because, um, you know, every time I look at the chocolate in the past, um, I remember the amazing taste that it has because I've been eating it all my life. It tastes so good. Mm. It, 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 it pulls out all kinds of memory in my head. And so for me to stand in front of a chocolate and not move my hand, it was impossible. Because this connection about chocolate is, was mighty strong. Mighty is an understatement. It was strong. But what I've done is I trained myself in my thinking to hate sugar. You know how I did that? I started making, doing research and reading, building new strongholds. I read about the, how awful sugar is, how incredible, a lot of harm that it's going to do to my body. I, I, just, I just keep reading it, right? Just brainwashing myself, they call it. What am I doing? I'm not, I can't cut off that chocolate, but I'm building new strongholds. And so what we've done, I try, you, know, I, you know, throughout the year, I try not to think about chocolate. You know, people give me chocolate. I, th- I think I, I didn't tell my wife that last year, you know, there's some leftover. I threw them away because it's like, you know, and, and I think Kristen found out about it and she started to hide food in her room, you know, like, you know, <laughs> uh, 
Well, how come all the chocolate left? You know, she blamed Matthew for eating the chocolate, but I kept quiet, right? So poor Matthew, right? So I threw it away, you know. And, and, and anyway, so, so I have no temptation for the longest time. What happened? What did I do? I built strongholds, good strongholds, that tell me how awful sugar is. Now this year, believe you me, a lot of you give me chocolates. I thank you for that. But I tell you, it's not calling my name. It has forgotten my name. We had this platter. Somebody give us a platter. I don't know who gave us, but thank you so much. And has chocolate and then nuts that have sugar coating on it and then nuts that have nothing on it. I am very proud to say that chocolate is still full and nuts with sugar, a little bit gone. The one with no sugar, all gone. Good job, Paul Kuhn. Good job. Good job. You know? <laughs> I have so much to share with you. We're going to continue next week, okay? Um, let, me, let me do this scripture. Uh, then um, um, This scripture is good. We're going to conclude with that. Worship team, can you come out? Sorry to take some time. Um, I'm going to read this. And I'm going to go through it again. Uh, he said, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you, people of Christian, must no longer walk as the unbelievers do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance, no good stronghold that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about Jesus and were taught in Jesus as truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self the old strongholds which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, what do you do? How do you put on a new self? Renew in the spirit of, come on, let's say, your minds. Let's say it again. Renew in the spirit of your minds. What that means is that your mind must align with your spirit man. We're going to learn more next week. We're going to learn about how the Holy Spirit works when the Word of God preaches areas that science can explain and how it can impact your life. But if you could bow your head before the Lord this morning.